Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today, we're going to be talking about something that affects so many people, especially this time of year, and that is accurately pacing your marathon. Yeah, marathon season's here. We just saw Berlin go down. Some absolutely stunning performances by the winners of that race. My goodness. Uh, and with that being said, there's more than just professional runners running these marathons, and that's exactly who we're going to be talking to, the dedicated amateur runners who are trying to make the most of their marathon experience, run their best, maybe run their best ever, while making sure that they put in that consistent pace that will get them to the finish line, obviously fatigued, but feeling happy with everything that they did. Before we get into it, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Exact Health. Exact Health is a sports physical therapy app for the most common running injuries. The app simplifies access to professional and customized physical therapy without long waiting times and costs, which I know affects so many people. Exact Health offers individualized plans that automatically adapt to your feedback. For runners, this is available for on iOS and Android across Europe, the UK, and now in the US, and I'm so happy about that, over 15,000 runners have already healed their running injuries like Achilles tendinopathy, uh, plantar fasciitis, meniscus tears with exact health. The plans are designed for, or for, they're designed by the sports uh, physical therapist team and they're based on the latest scientific research to guide you through your rehab process from feeling the first pain to a complete return to running. And that is the key for all of us. That's what we all want to have. So go to, to exact health today. You can find a link to it, uh, to the app in the show notes, or you can just go to Exact Health in your uh, app store. That's E X A K T. So Exact E X A K T. Exact Health. I have it on my phone. It's absolutely fantastic. You can try it for free today on Apple or Google Play stores. Now, let's talk about pacing your marathon. So, I'm going to guide this conversation uh, to people who really, you know. There's some people who are listening to this who may be running 60, 70, even 80 miles a week, right? If you're running 80 miles a week and you're putting in that kind of mileage, um, determining what your marathon pace is may not be quite as hard because you're, you're really mimicking a lot of what you're going to be doing on marathon day in just your weekly running. I mean, 80 miles is a ton of miles, but for the vast majority of people, they just can't do that, right? They First of all, they might not want to break down from injury. Also, they don't want they also have like the time to do that, right? So the vast majority of people who are listening to this who are going to be running marathon are in the 40s and 50s. So we're going to be gearing it towards those people. But with that said, there's probably something in here for everybody. That's for sure. So we're going to talk about figuring out what your marathon pace can be or should be, how to do that on race day a little bit, um, but mostly identifying what it is, a little bit of how to do it, and at the end, some some things not to do, which uh, oftentimes when it comes to marathon day, uh, making sure you don't do certain things. Sometimes it's even more important making sure you're you're hitting everything on your to do list. Okay, so the marathoner who's averaging forty into the fifties, uh, even high fifties miles per week, those folks are running 
you know, five, sometimes even seven days a week, usually five or six days a week, uh, one or two uh, off days. Um, usually their long runs are going to be between, uh, you know, 16 to 20 miles. Maybe their workout day is close to 10, you know, a couple, couple um, eight, you know, six to eight mile days in there as well. That usually gets you to that 40 or 50 mile per week range and really sets you up for success. Okay, now one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast before and you probably have heard other places is trying to get some races sprinkled into your marathon training cycle. I think this is very helpful for a lot of reasons. First of all, racing is a skill. So learning how to race is really important. We're going to talk about that today. That's a topic for another day. But a lot of people and a lot of my athletes that I work with usually do a half marathon four to six weeks out, kind of right in that range. Uh, that gives them some race experience. It's a huge uh, training stimulus as well. And it's a little bit, a little bit of a marathon predictor. Not, not completely. Maybe if it's Four weeks out, maybe it really can veer itself more towards a marathon predictor. If it's six weeks out, you're still kind of, you know, you're still ways away from, from race day. That's for sure. But it also depends on how you approach that half marathon, right? So if you approach a half marathon four to six weeks out and, you know, you're basically taking like a four to five day taper into the race and you're and you're kind of approaching it that way. And the race course is very similar to the race course that you're going to be um, going at on marathon day then maybe that is, you know, a pretty good um, apples to apples comparison of where you may be on race day. Um, with my athletes, a lot of them, we don't approach it that way in terms of a taper perspective. Uh, usually like two days out, we might decrease the mileage a little bit, but ultimately it's just part of the training cycle, right? So you have this huge stimulus, an important day, no question about it, but it's just another big day in a long stretch of big days. And that's how a lot of a lot of times that half marathon is approached. So I think it's a really good test for fitness, but it, we can't use it as the only data point when it comes to determining what your marathon pace or range of pace should be. Uh, and again, we'll talk about this uh, later, but it's really not marathon pace, it's more marathon effort. Uh, because you're going to be on a couple different uh, courses out there, which marathon pace may mean one thing when you're on flat ground, but it may mean something completely different as soon as the road tilts up or downward, right? Uh, so that's an important thing to remember as well. Uh, when we're also determining this, we talk right now about your long runs, especially long runs that have marathon effort uh, put into them, whether it's two by four miles, three by three miles, you know, two by five miles. There's a lot of ways of constructing long runs that have marathon pace effort within them. There's really no like right or wrong way here. As long as you're getting these miles in, it can be very, very valuable. Um, it's important to understand that those workouts, again, you're talking about marathon effort, and though that's important. These are big, not big data points. They are important data points in determining potential marathon effort especially if you're running faster than maybe you thought you would and you're not really like, you know killing yourself out there you, know, you can look at heart rate a little bit but also if you feel like hey I'm not getting super tired out here then it could be a really good uh, it could really be showing you that your fitness is improving there's no question about that uh, there are gonna be sometimes where maybe you're going out there and I'm just gonna use for the sake of round numbers, I'm just going to throw like numbers out there. Don't be intimidated if you hear some of these numbers. They're way out of your league. Again, I'm just doing this for the sake of round numbers. So you go out there and like, all right, well, I'm going to run eight minutes per mile 
at you know three by three miles um, at eight minutes per mile with a you know kind of a recovery jog at easy pace um, one mile recovery jog in between each of those sets of three okay that's kind of a standard marathon workout uh, you go out there think you're gonna run eight minute pace or so um, on relatively flat ground and you end up running 810 to 815 okay that might be a little demoralizing because you think, oh my God, 15 seconds per mile. It's a big difference between 8.15 and 8 minutes. However, first of all, one run doesn't change anything, okay? In addition to that, you have to factor in the cumulative fatigue of the day, right? So this is what marathon marathon cycles are all about. It's, it's kind of this cumulative fatigue that's going, 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 and going, which is why we taper at the end to kind of clear all that fatigue, all the micro stresses out of the system. Okay, and that cumulative, cumulative fatigue is a real thing. Okay, so understand that also, and this is a big thing, especially right now, because depending on where you live, this can change wildly, and that is the temperatures. I know there are, are plenty of my runners and a lot of other runners out there, because I've talked to you over on Instagram, who I like, can't believe it. It's funny, we have to relearn this lesson every single year, but People, you know, are out there like, oh my gosh, it was 60 degrees when I was running and it felt like a whole new world out there. And it's, it's true, man. I've experienced it myself. I live in Rhode Island and the weather has definitely changed. Fall is here and it feels like fall, especially early in the mornings. And it's absolutely helped from a running perspective. There's no question about that. And, you know, part of that is the gaining fitness and you're, you're getting better. You're putting in a lot of miles. You're doing that marathon cycle for sure. But the weather helps. There is no question about it. But some of you still might have some of those hot days, still might have some of those sticky days. And in those circumstances, again, weather plays a factor, which is why we call it marathon effort, not marathon pace. This is another reason for that. So just understand that as well. So there's a couple data points right here to consider, okay? The half marathon, four to six weeks out, going all out. What does that tell us about fitness, okay? Looking at your marathon paced miles in your long run, also to be another guide. Not only what did you run, but how did you feel, especially near the end of that block, right? So, not your first two miles of marathon paced miles. So, you're doing eight to 10 in the course of a long run. The first two miles, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about near the end of it. How are you feeling? Hopefully, it doesn't feel like threshold pace. You may be tired. But if you feel like your breathing is your breathing is heavy and you're going close to anaerobic, that's not a great sign. You're probably not at marathon effort. If you're just feeling tired, that's a different feeling. That can be cumulative fatigue. That can be the weather. It can be a whole lot of different things. Okay. One thing that I have been put on to that I really like a lot is a time trial 10 days out. Okay. The vast majority of marathon plans, the vast majority of coaches are still going to have you do a pretty solid workout 10 days out from the marathon. So put this in perspective, say you're running your marathon on a Saturday. This means the pre the, the prior Tuesday or Wednesday, again, a week and a half before race day is still going to be a normal workout for you in terms of um, the quality of the work and the length of the length of time doing it. So you'll have your normal warm up you know, two to three miles, have your normal cool down, two to three miles, and then your normal, you know, maybe four to five miles in the middle of work that you're going to be doing. Again, again, just another standard workout. I like to take that day, 10 days out, and make that a time trial day. So basically saying, okay, let's see how fit we are. Okay. And now 
take, understanding that cumulative fatigue is real, this is right before the taper starts. So from a cumulative fatigue standpoint, this is going to be at your apex of cumulative fatigue. So for this time trial, you want to do five miles, maybe 10K of a time trial. Uh, if you can only, if it's a little bit less than that, that's fine. Uh, depending on what you've done in the past, depending on your mileage, you can even go down to three miles here, um, but basically between a 5K and a 10K and try to get it on a net downhill effort. So, and the reason we do that is to, this helps strip away some of, some of the cumulative fatigue. Okay, you definitely don't want to do it on a net uphill. Okay, this, is, this will not serve the purpose of the workout. Flatland, fine, but again, not the best, but this, you can't, Again, understanding people live in different places, you, you know, don't let perfection stand in the way of something, you know, positive here. So if you can't do a net downhill, that's, that stinks. We maybe have to drive a little bit to get there. Uh, but ideally, let's try to get a net downhill here, maybe 100 to 200 feet of a net downhill, 200 feet if it's kind of more on the, the 10K side of thing, not 200 feet if it's more on the three mile side. Um, but that net downhill will really allow you to use this as a strong data point in terms of how fit you are right now. And that's going to really help. Again, it's not going to be the only factor, but that can really help in determining what your marathon pace can be or should be uh, moving forward. Okay, so when you have, say you, say you go do this and you have 100 foot of net decline on a five mile uh, all out time trial, okay, when you do that, just take the time as is. Don't worry about like the gap pace if you're looking at Strava or something like that or or trying to figure out, okay, well, I ran, say, again, just using round numbers, say like, oh, I ran seven-minute mile pace, but it was a net downhill, so maybe I should really think of it as 7.05. No, 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 we're using the net downhill for a reason, okay? It's trying to cancel out the cumulative fatigue, okay? So take the time for what it is and then put it into uh, some marathon calculators, okay? So... That gets tricky. That's a whole different scenario. Uh, and I'm going to be posting an article over on Relay. If you haven't seen Relay yet, oh my God, amazing work is going on over there. Uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Relay. I'm going to be putting out a piece in the next 12 hours or so all about different marathon predicting calculators okay i know some people use the coros watch or their garmin watch and there's other ones on the internet um there's some big differences between them and i think it's important to look at and we're going to talk about some of this in a little bit but really i take a deep dive into when i'm posting it in the next 12 hours so if you're listening to it right now head over to relay and go check it out i again i love my work over there but the work of my colleagues over there man they are crushing it kara's piece last week one that she actually worked with on, with Adam Goucher on was absolutely fantastic. Carrie Goucher had a don't how not to be a, a psycho parent uh, when watching your kid do athletics, and it was it was a great great written piece and an even better um, conversation that her and Adam had after the fact. So this is a good way of seeing what your fitness is like. Again, so you got your five mile or your ten k, maybe in your three mile, and then putting it into a marathon calculator. Okay, now. The last thing that we can do here in terms of metrics, and this is going to be more for really experienced marathoners. So we're talking about people who have traditionally run one or two marathons now for over a handful of years, right? So people who have a, so basically a good base knowledge of what their body can do, 
in training and on race day, and more importantly, can look back in time to maybe make some potentially apples-to-apples -apples comparisons. Now, then this gets tricky. We don't want to compare ourselves you know, to the past too much because oftentimes the details and the context surrounding some of these runs can get lost in time, whether it's the weather or life stress or how we actually felt on that day um, can get tricky. If you're working with a coach, then maybe you've already kind of like put in so you might go back to a run you did two years ago, and maybe in the comments section of the run, maybe there was a back and forth, and you say, oh, I, this is how I felt. I don't have to remember this. I actually wrote it down at the time. That can be really helpful. Um, sometimes we lose sight of how we actually felt on those days, whether it's good or bad. Um, but if you are a very experienced marathoner, then comparing how you felt on your workout, how you basically, how you performed and how you felt on some of your key workout days, whether they be long runs or some of your, your speedier sessions, or if you've done time trials before or half marathons four to six weeks out, right? So maybe you always run, say, the Richmond Marathon. And prior to Richmond, you always run a, marathon, a half marathon in the middle of October, right? So beginning of October, right? So you say, okay, I always run this half marathon. And then this is what I've done in the past. I've done this race five times, and here's my corresponding times to Richmond, and then I can compare it to how my training's gone. That can be a really useful way of determining what you what your marathon pace is right now. Again, you want to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples, and you want to take into account how you felt on those days. A good indicator here as well is if you're on Strava, you can see the length of time you did a run, but you also can see the elapsed time. Elapsed time meaning say you, you know, paused your watch, right, during during a run for whatever reason, right? It could have been because you felt like crap and you had to sit down for 20 minutes or you might have had to take a bathroom stop or whatever. Uh, but elapsed time can also give an indication on how you felt on that day. So if you maybe you're looking at a long run, you ran for two and a half hours and you it looks like you had a really good long run. If you look at your elapsed time, that sounds like two hours and 55 minutes, you might be like, okay, well, what was I doing for those other 25 minutes? Maybe there's a hint here that maybe this, I can't make a comparison here. So just make sure that you're making appropriate comparisons if you're looking at your past um, buildups, and um, that will help you in that, in, in you know, moving forward, determining what is an accurate marathon effort now. So Got history as a guide for experienced people. You got your half marathon cycle. I mean, half marathon workout or, or race. You have your um, your long runs with marathon effort in them. You tend your, your time trial ten days out. You got a lot of points here to look at for what is marathon effort. Okay, so putting all that into the hopper, you can usually come up with a pretty consistent range of where you probably fall. Okay, and I say range here because I don't want people, and even for workouts, never mind race day, to think like a very specific number, right? Like I need to run my marathon pace is seven seventeen. It's like okay, well, it's not. It's, it's it's hard to be so on the nose, and the last thing you need on marathon day is even more stress. So maybe try to give yourself a little bit of grace, right? Two or three seconds on either side of that number, uh, just so you're not you know, not worrying about it, right? So it's maybe it's 717. I picked that number for a reason. Maybe you're saying, okay, listen, I want to be between 715 and 720, right? If I stay in that range, I'll be good. Okay, perfect. That sounds great. Now, one of the things you want to, one of the many things you want to consider here in determining, okay, where do I fall is 
the tie in determining, say you're, you're, you're straddling a line, like you're not sure if it's this or that, and maybe some of the numbers are conflicting and you're not sure which one to choose. When it comes to marathon pace effort, the tie should always go to caution. Okay. Be cautious. If you can try to have your second half of your marathon be a little bit faster, a little bit faster, not a lot, a little bit, because you want to pace yourself accordingly, uh, then your first half. Okay. And the only way to do that is to make sure you don't go out too fast. So tie goes to being cautious. Just like baseball, the tie goes to the runner and marathoning. Tie, go, tie goes to being cautious from a pacing perspective. Okay. Keep that in mind. However, while at the same time, don't let it affect your confidence. Okay. Be cautious, but confident. Okay. This is any, this is a big, big thing. I remember last year at Chicago and we had her on the podcast right afterwards, experienced marathoner Tia Stone went up there and she finished, I think she was the sixth fastest masters, uh, woman in the race. And she ran very, very well. It was a really hot day, which is sometimes is in Chicago. Chicago is very flat, but sometimes it can be pretty hot. Okay. So she went up there and she knew what to expect. You know, she's from Arkansas, right? She runs in the heat all the time. So again, she was used to hot weather, but she knows it affects everybody. And she's been doing this a while. She's been running in these races for a long time. And she took her experience and she made the most of it. What did she do? She basically was super cautious the first 20 miles. That's right. 20 miles. Okay. Think about that. Not many people, myself included, have the kind of willpower to stay cautious for that length of time. That is a remarkable stat that Tia shared with us. And then over the last 10K, that's when she, you know, basically took the training wheels off, so to speak, and just let it go. And she did incredibly well. Her last 10K, she was flying. It was her fastest 10K of the race on a hot day. I mean, what a remarkable thing to say in a marathon that your fastest 10K is the final 10K on a hot day. That is an amazing, amazing performance, not only from a fitness perspective, but also in terms of strategy and especially executing that strategy. Okay. So think of it in those terms. Okay. Making sure that you're being cautious but confident in your decisions. Now, let's talk about some things not to do. But before we do that, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to do a little ad break here, and then we're going to get into what not to do or what to stay away from. Okay, first things first. Do not fall prey to the gravity of round numbers. Okay, this is a big one right? Especially sometimes for a lot of people, the tie goes to the round number, right? They're like, all right, I think my pace is probably going to be right around not pace, but you see my finishing time, right? So they, they look at their pace and they extrapolate it out and they're like, oh, this looks like a 335 marathon. Oh, that's close to 330. I wonder if I have a really good day. I can run 330. Let's plan for 330, right? How many of us, how many of us, everyone, is everyone listening to this right now? Have you done this? I know I have, for sure. Not just a marathon day either, plenty of other races as well. Um, there's a gravity around whole numbers, round numbers, and it's very real. Now, with that said, there's a way to take this gravity and have it work for you instead of against you. But from a planning perspective, do not fall prey to altering what your marathon effort should be 
because of a round number that you see while you're planning it out. Okay, you just, you gotta stay away from that. However, however, on race day, especially in that last 10K, even more so in that last 5K, use the gravity around round numbers to help you, right? Say, again, that same person who's like 335 pace, maybe they've planned, they've done really well, They've executed their effort. They're speeding up a little bit in the second half than they were in the first half, but they went out cautious, but they're feeling strong and they're feeling good. And they're coming in and they're like, oh, wow, like I got 5K left. And I'm right now I'm at, say, let's see here. Let's say you're at 305, right? So you're at 305. There's 5K left in the race. And you're like, oh my gosh, I am so close to getting under 330 right? I am really, really close to 3.30. And then, hey, let's use that round number as a benefit, okay? Let's use that gravity to finish strong. You're thinking about that 3.30. It can help propel you in that last 5K when things can get so tough. You're tired. You're sore. All of that. Um, you feel like, I don't want to take another gel, but should I take another gel? We're going for 3.30. Take that Take that gel. Do it, right? So let it use that, use that gravity to your benefit, near the end of the race, do not let it influence your decisions prior to race day. Now, a corollary to this is do not use pace groups. Can't, I cannot, I cannot stress this enough, especially at the start of a race. This is kind of like basically what the, the, the round numbers thing, okay? Don't let pace groups influence you in the beginning of a race, okay? I have seen it countless times okay i remember so vividly at cim i ran really really well in the first half i knew i wasn't prepared for the race so it was not a great marathon for me i didn't expect it to be a great marathon for me i wasn't prepared for it but i was out there doing media stuff so i decided to run okay with that said i ran the first half really well very even paced and i remember laughing hysterically that the 330 pace group was ahead of me and i was running 820 pace and I remember seeing them ahead of me, like, what are they doing here? Like, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be here. And they just had people falling off the pace, falling off the pace. This was before the half. And I just felt so bad for these people because maybe they didn't have a coach. Maybe they didn't have the right plan. Or maybe they got nervous and they just like, hey, I'm just going to go in with this group, even though I have a plan. You know, maybe I'll, if I go in with this group, maybe they'll know better than me. And, and they had that self-conscious feeling. Either way, I have seen this so many times, I can't even count. Uh, people going out with the pace group, the pace group going out too fast, and then ultimately it hampering everybody in the pace group um, except for the, 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 most, the most prepared or maybe people who are just running for fun who are in that pace group, not because it's a challenging effort for them, but because they normally run it you know, considerably faster than that pace, but they just want to have that group effort on race day. That's fun and all, but that's not the kind of effort we're talking about here. We're trying to maximize our fitness on race day. Do not go with the pace group. Stick to your plan. Even if your plan corresponds to the race group's plan, right? Say you're like, hey, I want to run a 330. And that pace group is out here to run a 330. Do not do it. Do not fall prey to that temptation you're not going to be able because the idea is if I run with this pace group, I'll be able to turn my brain off and just run with them. And the whole social aspect of this will help buoy my spirits running in a group. We all know this from, from research and just from our own anecdotal experience. Running in a group is it gives us a benefit, right? It helps us run better. 
So that's, those are two powerful arguments for running in the pace group. However, ultimately, you can't run with your brain off because if the pace group's going out too fast and you're just going with it and you're going with it because you're feeling good because you're running with a group, it's kind of come back to bite you. This isn't a 5K, right? It's, it's going to come back to bite you. So don't do it. However, we're in the second half of the race. Mile 15, mile 18, mile 20. You see that pace group. Either you catch up to them or they catch up to you. Use it, right? Especially if they catch up to you. Cling on to that pace group, all right? Catch on to the back of that bus and let's get it going, right? Use that group effect to help you out. Turn your brain off. Stop thinking about how much you're hurting. Latch on to the back of that group, you know, and let that let all the positive benefits of a pace group help you in that circumstance. That is a wonderful use of a pace group, and I can't recommend it strongly enough. Even if you say you catch a pace group and you're, you know, again, mile, mile 16, mile 18, if it's pretty close to the pace you're running, maybe stick with them for a little while. Okay, maybe it will help you feel better. Maybe it'll get you through a rough patch, stuff like that. If it's pretty close to how you're already running, maybe there's a benefit to it. You run a few miles with them and maybe you still feel good. Then, you know, start to air it out, you know, with four or five miles to go. I think that's another another solid use of it. But I think it really comes in handy when you're starting to struggle. You see a pace group, try to latch on, get that group effect. Uh, and I know it's, this sounds crazy, but even just getting that back of that pace group and letting and using the drafting of it. You know, there has been plenty of scientific research showing even at, you know, six miles an hour, pacing, you know, drafting can help, right? Even if it only helps a little bit, you may only need a little bit of help. So latch onto the back, get that positive benefit, but do not, do not, do not let the pace group think for you in the beginning of the race. Because if you do, a lot of people regret it. And I say this as someone who knows a lot of pacers, right? I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, pace marathons and they they love doing it and they're great people and they really enjoy it and and i'm not saying this i'm sure everyone who's listening to this who's ever paced a marathon for a for a certain race has done a great job and that's great i just have seen a lot of pace groups either because i've witnessed it myself or i've talked to people after the fact who went with a pace group and regretted it dearly it's uh i just you're better off not doing it because, you know, you, you don't want to get stuck in a bad situation. And I would just say, unless your best friend is the pacer and he's been training with you or he's been training with you and they promised it to do right by you, stay away. Okay, stay away and maybe join in later in the race. Okay, so those are some of the things that I want to touch on in terms of identifying what your current fitness level is and making sure that we identify some of the things on race day that we want to stay away from in order to have the best race we possibly can. Head over to Relay to read my piece on the marathon calculators that are out there. Um, some are better than others, but also you just have to identify where you fall because each calculator has its positives and negatives, and there are some that, like 538 and Runner's World, where you type in what your, your miles per week are, and the, the range of paces change in terms of how fast you are. So some, some of these calculators are better for the more fit and faster runners. And there's some that don't work as well for those people. And then vice versa for maybe people who are near the back of the pack. So it, it really is interesting. I love diving into this. And go check that out at patreon.com forward slash relay. Big shout out to Exact Health, a top tier 
physical therapy app that can help you with any running injuries and even more so making sure you don't have these running injuries go to exakt health in the app store either on google or on apple or you can check the link in the show notes thank you so much for listening and happy running